from the day that you're born, we as a society have a problem of knowing who's who in the zoo. John, as much as I love you and I care about you, <laughs> I could become you very easily. It will cost me $12. Once I know either through your Facebook or some digging where you were born, I simply will go to the registrar office of your county and ask for a copy of your birth certificate. I can go to any DMV. I can say, hello, my name is John. And I simply say that I'm you. And now if I get a government-issued ID with your information and my picture, the rest is just details. Well, there you have it, folks. Stealing my identity, or anyone else's for that matter, may be as simple as taking a trip to the DMV. The truth is, in today's digital world, cybersecurity has never been more important. We hear about stolen identities, security breaches, and worse, all of the time. In today's episode, I'm talking to Ori Eisen, the founder and CEO of Trusona, a company that offers insured authentication. Yes, you heard me right, insured. Basically, imagine you're a bank. Someone tries to log into a customer account fraudulently, but they've been authenticated by Trusona. The company will insure that transaction for up to $1 million. With that kind of confidence, Trusona must know a thing or two about security, and I'll tell you, Ori does. Let's find out what we can learn from him and his company. Welcome to the Impact Podcast. I'm John Pryor. So, so Ori, tell me a bit about Trusona. What, what problem are you solving? What we're solving is the last mile, the case where you need to approve a $10 million wire or log it into a nuclear power plant, or to really know that the president just tweeted. For those kind of use cases, you cannot use probabilistic approaches because the best of them would give you 99.9% surety that this is the person on the other end. What Trusona, as the name implies, which is a fusion of true and persona, is really solve the problem of identity all the way through and guarantee who is on the other end. So while it is not necessarily aimed at the mass market, it is aimed for those use cases that you truly need to know who's on the other end. And you said based on your level of confidence going beyond that 99.9, you're actually confident enough that you'll deliver insurance now. That is correct. So if we as Trusona on our own said we are 100% sure that would be cool, but we have now had the largest insurers in the world validate through a very serious series of tests and pen tests that it's really unassailable. And for that reason, they want to ensure that when we say it's you, up to $1 million per transaction. So from financial transactions, power plants, uh, the president's identity, how many markets are you going after? We have identified 17 that may include healthcare, the CEO, CFO fraud, privileged accounts, and on and on and on. We are going to market only three that have really resonated with the buyers. And that will be the first beachheads that we uh, are attacking, which is nuclear power plants or critical infrastructure as a general space, the financial markets, and government agencies. So let's talk more about security in general and kind of broaden this discussion. Um, and we talked a little bit about the 99.9% security. So what does a business have to look at when they think about uh, false positives, false negatives, the elements of a, of a business model. What, what are the issues that a CEO has to think about here? 
in general, let's just say that you're in the consumer market, you should have process procedures, software, and all the tools to let as many of the good orders or good transactions go through. That's really what's going to bring you sales. However, some of them have to go through additional scrutiny just because they're outliers or they fall outside of the category of what looks good. And then the question is, do you want human beings investigating these things and be susceptible to either social engineering or just making mistakes or employ a whole new level of technology that is really bulletproof, if you want to think about it this way? I believe every uh, developed business or mature business needs both. It's not either one, because you would agree that you and I are going to check what movie plays tonight does not require the highest level of security. Whereas if you and I would go and add a supplement person to our bank account or pay our taxes or look at our health records, then you want to absolutely positively know that it's you and it's only you. And how do you see the, the newer technologies, the, the chip cards that are in people's hands or the NFC happening with an Apple or a Samsung pay? Is that, is that helping on that end of catching, catching bad guys? I wish I had good news there, but I don't. You see, when you look at the numbers, Apple Pay is 10 times the amount of fraud than any regular issuer. And the reason is there is no validation that the person who just added a card to their Apple Pay is really the owner of the card. So just by adding the NFC technology, what you really did is you made it harder to counterfeit the cards. But if I stole their information, I can just add 10 of them to my iPhone. But that does not necessarily mean that I own them. Weren't the elements of, of two-factor authentication to, to stop that if a card got taken out? Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being naive here. This, this is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. I, I may, perhaps may be jaded, but... NFC was a great way to help curb counterfeit fraud. However, what happens in reality is because of all the breaches of the cards, true, some of them may not end up being on the card because you don't have the chip, but you can take the same card information and go shop at Amazon. Amazon does not check the NFC chip on your card. Wow. Now, in terms of other elements of anonymization, for, if we're talking about a blockchain to anonymize elements and, and keeping that in a kind of decentralized, distributed manner and keeping it anonymized, does, how does that play into this? Blockchain as a technology is probably one of the most amazing things invented ever. I love it as a technologist and an you know, enthusiast. It's amazing. If you want to not know who's on the other end, it's actually also very good because you can anonymize everything. However, in banking, for example, because of AML rules, anti-money laundering, you need to know who's on the other end. So if you think about what Trisona does, it can allow most of the transactions to be done without Trisona. So you know they were done by somebody, but you don't know who. But for those transactions that require knowing who the person is, we now add to the blockchain, oh, and by the way, the person who did this is Trisona ID 7742. Still doesn't say if it's you or not. But if a court order would come to me and say, you need to reveal to me who that identity is, then we can. So blockchain on its own is just a wonderful technology. It does not solve the identity problem. But together with a service that can absolutely know who's on the other end, you can have both anonymous and completely transparent transactions. So... We've heard so much and seen so many data breaches. It keeps going on. And it seems always to me to be a temporary loss of business. At some point, when do we cross the threshold 
that companies that are being impacted by different types of data breaches are, are really going to you know, be labeled as bad businesses. Are we going to get to that point? I think some of it already has happened. If you look at the target breach, I think that was a seminal moment where a CEO lost his job. And if you'd ask the CEO a month before that, uh, is cybersecurity important to you or security in general? You might say, yeah, it's important, but I'm really worried about sales and growth. A day after he was laid off, I think his answer might have been different. Now, your question is about us as a society, right? When will we say uh, it's dangerous to shop there, right? I think, John, the real issue is maybe businesses here and there will really get more scrutinized, but I think the internet is going to not be trusted at the end of the day. As a general, it's not safe to do business there, or I don't want to give my information to anybody, whether it's the business that got compromised or not, because people are beginning to realize once they get these letters from their credit card companies or banks that your identity has been potentially breached, here's uh, you know identity monitoring for three years, that it's just not safe. I think the real issue is beyond any single company is when do we as a society say we have to do better to secure this or otherwise the medium is not going to be trusted. Wow. Well, we've got a long way to go, although you're doing a part to help. We're pretty fortunate now to have you as an advisory board member on Georgian Partners. So let's step back and talk about our broader focus on what we're calling security first. Uh, so for example, a lot of data losses are internal. They're coming from bad actor employees. They're coming from social engineering with gullible employees that are getting hit by spear phishing attacks. How important do you see that as a piece of the puzzle and to get businesses focused on this? I think if you run any data center that has PII or any other data that you do not want to be published with your name associated with it, you have to take security very, very seriously. It also includes what you alluded to, which is training of your employees about social engineering. Uh, some of the people I deal with on a regular basis are ex-hackers who would share with you the common most common way to attack a company is to go to their parking lot and throw 10 USB sticks on the ground. Because of human curiosity, you know, the curiosity killed the cat, people will stick this USB just to see what's on it. Another tip is write on it very sensitive information, right? So people will see, oh, I got to see what's on that. If you have on that some sort of Trojan or malware that will give full control to the attacker, that's how businesses get attacked. It is not by some, you know, mission impossible, amazing way. It's just by abusing people's curiosity to see what's on something. And that something could also be an email with a promise to see a picture of a celebrity who died or some wonderful other things. That I don't think John is going away anytime soon because people are people. However, as a business, you have to be aware of it, train for it, and put all the monitoring you can so you at least mitigate it as much as possible. So besides making it mandatory that everybody in the company watch uh, episodes of Mr. Robot, <laughs> what, what else would it take to, to really build this culture around security? It's a great question. I'll uh, give you my only plug to Trusona, which is what we do with privileged accounts. And I'll explain why. Let's take any large bank. They might have 100,000 employees. Most of them have access to email. However, only few of the employees can really get to the core systems of the bank and copy all the data, for example. What we would recommend is for those accounts, you use the highest level of authentication money can buy because 
that is really where you're going to be taken. It is not the you know person who sits at the front desk who can go and select all your customer list, put them in a zip file, and send them to an attacker. That is just not going to happen. So the combination of training all employees of not to be gullible, scanning your emails, doing all the rogue employee monitoring has to happen. But on the crown jewels, the things that you truly need to know are only accessed by your people, not by rogues, not by hacker, not you have to use the ultimate insecurity because otherwise you're you're like sitting on a powder keg. It's and it's a time bomb. You're waiting for this to happen. So on the flip side, then going away from the larger companies, you think a company can get away with saying, "Well, I'm too small now. I'm just starting up. I don't need to worry about security yet." It all depends on what you have. At uh, a company like Trusona, because we're dealing with people's identities, passports, driver license, we have to use the highest, strictest you know, PII protection right from day one. We even delete data or use what's called one-way hash algorithms. So you can't even, even if you were a rogue employee, you don't know what the information is right from day one. If you're a doctor's office and you're handling people's identities, you can't say, well, it's somebody else's problem. No, it's your practice. If somebody will have in the newspaper, doctor so-and-so had all their customers' data being breached, how many new customers are you going to think you're going to have? So if we think about some of the elements of technology, uh, there's tools out there, there are AI tools that are beginning to look at programming to make sure people aren't writing bad programming code. What's your, what's your sense of, of programming and, and bug bounty programs that are out there? Love bug bounty. I do think uh, we have an emerging culture that basically says hackers uh, should be part of the fabric of what we do. And I very often say this, but hackers in my mind are not crackers. So to be very crisp, uh, even the headquarters of Facebook is called One Hacker Way because I think Zuckerberg realizes you need to have the mentality of thinking outside the box to solve the really big problems. But doing it for nefarious reasons, that's where the crackers come in, is not what I'm condoning, of course. I think uh, there's a famous TED Talk by Karen Lazari that talks about hackers being the you know, the antigen of the internet as in like part of the system that helps cure its uh, illnesses. I do definitely believe in that. Here at Trusona, for example, we are doing both uh, black boxes exercises with some pen testing companies, and we will also have a public bug bounty to say, if you can find any issue with what we're doing, we would love to fix it. I think it's a new generation of thinking because the old generation was all about let's hide the bugs, let's not talk about them. But I don't think that is sustainable in today's day and age. Do you think there's anyone out there providing measuring tools, any uh, maturity indexes around security? Do you think that's coming? That's something we're obviously very interested in as well. But where do you think the state of the art is on that? You do have scorecards from companies like Straws and Friedberg and others that are doing this on a daily basis. But essentially, they're not getting to the detail. Let me give an example. You can come to any corporation, large or small, and say, do you have a firewall? Do you have an employee training program on security? Do you have PCI procedures? And that will just be a series of checkboxes. But clearly the configuration of those checkboxes or the details is really what's going to matter. Is it good or not? I'll simplify this with an example. John, do you use a password to access your computer? Yes or no? Yes, sir. You will say yes, right? <laughs> but if the password is password, it's not so good. <laughs> and it's not. So I, I think... 
I think the scorecards we have today are uh, mundane, they're rudimentary, and they're a good place to start. But the proof is in the pudding, or the devil is in the details. Choose your metaphor. Until you really see how things are implemented, you just don't know what the quality is. Sure. And so that, that goes back to our discussion of changing the culture, making it that important. So if a company is going to, a CEO is going to build a company and, and, and he or she is saying, I really do want this to be a security first company, what should they be looking at? Where, where should they start? Should start with themselves. Ask the tough question, do you want to have this or you going to insist on having it? Very different way to think about this problem. If you say, I really want to have it, then the next question is, how many hours a day, a week, a month, on a regular basis, you're going to devote to it? You see, if you ask a CEO, is sales important to you? It's kind of a non-starter to even ask because you'll see 30%, 40% or more of their time is involved with sales. So clearly it's important and you're devoting the time. But if you keep telling me, oh, security is very important, but oh yeah, once a year we spend an hour on it, Clearly, that will not jive. I can tell you here, we have an hour a day, every single day. Should I repeat that? Yes. An hour a day, <laughs> every single day of a session that reviews with the top security and engineers, what can we improve? What holes have we discovered in the last 24 hours? Because that is our brand. Now, I'm not saying every company should do that, but if you're in the security business, you better set your culture from day one to be aware of it, to talk about it, to read the news about, like, for example, the news about this, uh, breaches is sent to every single employee, including the lady up front, which we love, because it is part of being here. And I think security cannot be something that is an afterthought for a security company, but also for a company that is not in security because you use email, you use the internet, right? There's uh, trouble lurking there. You need to be at least telling your employees what to look after so you don't become the next victim. So if we're going to become security first, we're going to have sales at the executive reporting level, at the board level. We're going to have other key elements, product and marketing, but we're going to have security at that level as well. That's the only way to make this thing happen. 